morning, Callie. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing blessed and highly favored. Praise God. Um, thank you, everyone, for welcoming us into your homes today. This is Save News TV, and this is what's going on in Israel with Callie Mitchell, our Save News International Correspondent. Our baby is in the background. Love it. So who's, who's in the background? Huh? You can hear him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I know you're a mother and yes. you have to take care of, you know, your children and everything like that because it, it is what it is. And yeah, in um, the living room. they usually go outside, but it's a really cold day today. So Devin has them inside. No, okay. Well, that's good. But tell Devin, I said, hey, Devin is her husband, everybody. He right. he is so supportive. <laughs> he is he is so supportive. He take he take care of the kids when um, Callie and I are on live, and you know he's just a great father. He, yes, he surely he surely is. Yeah, and you're a great so mother, good. also. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you all just celebrated your 13th anniversary, wedding anniversary. Yeah, we did on Monday, 13 years of marriage. And I've been here in Israel about that long now, too. Um, so I was here for a few months while we were engaged. And then we spent the first three months of our marriage in Cincinnati. And then we came here. So mm -hmm. I've been here almost 13 years exactly, too. So. Yeah, that's a um, long time now to be married and <laughs> be in a different country. Yes, that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Um, so what did you all do for your anniversary? Yeah, we well, we went out to eat. We always go out on a, there's one particular restaurant we usually go to, but we, we knew we weren't going to be able to get in this year um, because we're boycott, boycotting the green passport here in Israel. Um, mm -hmm. so we knew we weren't going to be able to get in there because it's really upscale, so we didn't go. But um, I asked around for you know some friends about what might be open, and several of them said try this other restaurant, and it's really mm -hmm. good. You know, we we've been there a few times too; it's really good. So um, we went there, and uh, <laughs> we got kicked out. <laughs> So we had to, yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't serve us because because I don't have a green passport, so um, they wouldn't let us in. So that that happened. <laughs> it was it was wow a wow. I mean, because you just don't know because there are some there are some businesses here who are who are also you know, like hashtag, this is stupid, you know, so they, they let people in, they don't, they don't, um, enforce the green passport, but you never know. And this is when that some of my friends had said they had gotten in without being checked before. So, um, we were like, we'll give it a try. But we went and the girl was like, Oh, can I see your top your is the green passport. It literally means mm. green mark. Um, which is really wild to think that the Jewish people are okay with something that's called a mark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So what so what happened when you when she said can she see it? Um she we were just like we don't have it and she was like oh, okay, well, you have to leave and of course she's like we're, there's all this interchanges in Hebrew. And I wanted to talk to her about it a little bit more uh, cuz I kind of have like a, a little tagline that I use with with people when they 
enforce these things um, to make them think mm -hmm. about issues. But she actually, she, she stopped making eye contact and she was like, you know, oh, you have to go. Like she, she actually looked really ashamed. Um, and so I was looking at her and thinking about it and I was like, I think she's feeling conviction about this. So we're just going to let it go and move on. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah. times I will ask people, and I'd even did this at the airport in the United States when they gave my um, four-year-old a hard time about her mask. I would say, do you feel good about yourself now? Mm -hmm. And I just well, asked them uh, that. And, yeah. you know, do you feel good about yourself after enforcing this? You know, just ask and mm -hmm. have them think about what conviction they might be feeling inside when they have to turn someone away or tell a child that they have to cover their nose better or whatever. Yes. And sometimes, you know, people are just doing their jobs. I know they, they're like, you know, they wish the owners was the one that turned people away and let yeah, them yeah. experience that conviction. Yeah. Right. But you can find another job. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not it's yeah, that. I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying yeah. the yeah. the owners and the um, political establishment that make the rules and everything. So right. I really hate that that you all didn't get an opportunity to yeah. well, uh, have a did, nice. We did have a nice dinner though. We went to another restaurant. There's a barbecue restaurant here that's really good. It's like mm. American style barbecue. Not pork, of course, but right. <laughs> but still American style barbecue. And we went. They had outdoor seating, so we we they let us sit outside. So we did end up having a nice dinner. Um, but I went dressed prepared for the possibility that we would sit outside because I was like, okay, they're they're they they may not let us in. We may have to go out. Hey, Takeda's here. Hi, Takeda. Yeah, hi, Takeda. Shalom. How are you today? <laughs> Yeah, so we it's good did. to see you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, so we definitely had a nice time. It was kind of, and since it was outside, I don't know if you've ever seen Lady in the Tramp, the scene with Lady in the Tramp eating the meatballs outside at Tony's. <laughs> it felt kind of like no. that. Okay. Oh, okay. Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> yeah, um, animated movie. Um, no, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll be watching my eye gates and my ear gates. No. But. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, but that didn't happen. But, we just kicked out of a restaurant, and this is where we are right now. And I just want to say, people, Israel is still a democracy. The United States of America is still a democracy. And in a democracy, we don't hide our noncompliance. We, we, we hit it face on, and we say, this isn't right. Exactly. <laughs> so like a showing just showing up and being there and then having to turn us away was the right thing like yes because sometimes you know they get comfortable because people yeah. say well they're not gonna let me in and i just won't show up so yeah. it's good that you all showed up and um and put a face to the situation yes right right yes. it makes people think so you know i don't feel persecuted i don't feel like i'm a victim but I know what's happening is wrong. And I know that because it's wrong, we have to take some action against it. <laughs> so Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we're gonna get into our message today yes. about who are the Amorites. I'm gonna take a quick swoosh. Okay. And then we'll be right in it. All 
Alrighty then, Callie. Let's get on to who are the Amorites. We're continuing our series of the enemies of God. We want to remind everybody to like, subscribe, and share the video. Please turn on your notifications so you know when we go live. Okay, Callie, let's get it though. Okay, yeah, so the Ammonites. So if you're new to the study, and I'm hoping at this point, well, I'm always happy to have new viewers, but I'm hoping at this point enough of you have seen this that you know where we are, but we've been <laughs> looking at the um, enemies of God as described in Psalm 83. Um, this is what we've been using as our outline for this. And Psalm 83 is a prophetic psalm about um, a war that Israel will have with 10 different nations, 10 different Gentile nations. And there's different theories as to whether or not this has been fulfilled or not, um, or partially fulfilled. Um, um, you can watch other episodes to kind of clue in on that. And at the end of this, maybe we'll talk about that more, wh whether or not we think it's been fulfilled. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I'm shaping up some thoughts as I'm studying these people, too, about what I actually think about this. Um, but the 10 people groups that are listed here, they, they're called enemies of Israel, and they're also called enemies of God in this passage, and they conspire together to war against Israel. And so uh, if you look at Psalm 83, verse 6, it starts there. The 10 people are Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, Hagrites, Gabal. Um, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, and Ashur. So we've covered Edom, Ishmaelites, Moab, Hagrites, and Gabal. So today we are on the Ammonites. And let me just say, there was so much in the Bible about the Ammonites. <laughs> I always start the study by getting in the concordance and looking up every instance in the concordance where that people group occurs. And this time it was just pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. I know. There's so many scriptures. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like they are. They so, are so God definitely, um, he's def they're definitely an enemy of God. And God want to make it clear that they're yeah. an enemy for that, for that to be that many references. Yeah. They're all over scripture. They played a huge role in shaping the way that ancient Israel looked and operated. And that their interactions with Israel in ancient times has unquestionably shaped what what the Middle East looks like today. Um, so it was it was just really interesting to go into um, this particular people. Um, so let's let's just get a little, uh, get started more specifically on who they are. Um, okay, so basically, a few weeks ago when we studied the Moabites, um, we learned that. If you go to Genesis 1930 through 38, we learn that um, Abraham's nephew, Lot, they left Sodom and Gomorrah and they had, um, you know, they left Sodom and Gomorrah because they were considered righteous. And so he left Sodom and Gomorrah. His wife turned back and looked and she turned into the pillar of salt. So he was with his two daughters who basically assumed that um, they were the only people left on planet Earth. And um, they decided to get their father drunk and conceive children with him. So both daughters, he had two daughters, and both of them conceived children with Lot. And the first daughter, her her son, she named him Moab, which means from father. And they became the Moabites. And the second daughter, she conceived a son and named him Ben-Ami. And that means um, son of my people. 
and they became the Ammonites. So the Ammonites and the Moabites are cousin half brothers. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So both of them came from incestuous relationships that were out of God's plan. So that is how they came about. So the Moabites, they, they settled in the Transjordan, which is also where the Edomites and, or wait, sorry, the Ammonites, they settled in the Transjordan, which is also where the Edomites and the Moabites settled. So the um, Ammonites settled in the northern part of the Transjordan, which is the area east of the Dead Sea and the Jordan River um, in present-day Jordan. Their capital city was a place called Rabbah, and it's actually where modern-day Amman, Jordan is today. And Amman, Jordan was named for the Ammonites. So that's okay. the area that they're from. Okay, so um, they appear early in Scripture. Go to Deuteronomy 2.19. I got all my tabs here on my Bible. I just want to show you how my Bible. <laughs> I keep all these tabs. <laughs> yes, honey. Tabs okay. and underlining and highlighting. Yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, Deuteronomy two nineteen says, um, and when you, this is the Lord speaking to the nation Israel as they're crossing into the promised land. Okay, He says, and when you approach the territory of the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them. For I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for a possession. So the Lord designated that area to be for for Lot's sons. Um, they were that was not part of the land promised to the nation of Israel. Um, okay, so now go to Deuteronomy twenty-three, verse three. Okay, so they appear here, and the Lord. And we covered this passage also when we spoke about the um, Moabites. Um, so right. Maybe you, um, let's see, verse six. Okay, so no Ammonite or Moabite may enter into the enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord your God turned that curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loved you. You shall not seek their peace or their prosperity all your days forever. So um, when Balaam was prophesying against um, against the nation of Israel, they the Ammonites and the Moabites had joined in to for his payment. They had been hired. They, like, they helped hire him along with the king Balak. Um, to issue that curse. And because of that, the Ammonites and the Moabites could not enter the assembly of the Lord to the 10th generation. So that's something else we know about them. Okay, so um, I'm going to go over some some history. There's so much history here. I'm going to try to cover it pretty quick. And then there's a few points that we're going to circle back to um, a little bit more detailed. But they... You know, because they were really extensively involved in what happened with ancient Israel. So um, let's just see if we can get an overview. We're not going to turn to all these passages, but I'm going to reference them so that you know where they are in God's word. Okay, so we know in Judges 10 that um, 
they have a war that Israel has a war at that point with um, yeah, Judges 10 and 11. They have a war with the Ammonites. Um, and it's led by a mighty warrior named Jephthah. Um, so we're going to go back and we're going to look at that story in more detail. But that's one of the first wars that they had with him. Um, let me just see what my notes say. I wrote it very small. Uh, okay, so basically the what, what happened in that context is that they, were, they had been oppressed for 18 years. They had been oppressing the people of Israel for 18 years. Um, the Ammonites had been. And um, eventually what happened is the Ammonites crossed over the river because there were some Israelites who were living in their area and they were oppressing them. So then the Ammonites crossed over the Jordan River. And at the point where they crossed over the Jordan River and started oppressing them in what was proper Israel, that is when it was evidence that it was time to have war. So Israel called on uh, this, this man, Jephthah, who became a judge, um, a judge of Israel, and he led the, the victory, the battle to victory. Mm. So we're going to cover that. There's some points of that story that I want to come back to, but we'll come back. Okay, so then in 1 Samuel 11, um, the Ammonites had a war with Saul. Okay, so the Ammonites had been assaulting the Jewish tribes, and um, they were they had tension, and they were willing to enter into a peace agreement with them as long as it meant that all of the Israelites would gouge out their right eye. <laughs> it's really cruel. Um, so that didn't hold over. So Saul led 330,000 men into war. There were three separate attacks. They had victory, but they didn't take any prisoners. Okay, so then they occur again in 2 Samuel 10 and 10 through 12 and 1 Chronicles 19 with King David. Okay, so King David had a peaceful relationship with the Ammonites um, king who had been defeated by Saul. But then that king died and his son came into power. So um, when his son came into power, David sent a delegation to, um, to Ammon and to both like mourn the loss of the father and to celebrate the new king coming into power. But it was interpreted as him sending in spies. And um, the, because of that, the interactions eventually led to another war, in which case Israel won and Amman became an Israeli vassal state. So they were their own independent nation, but they were um, protected in, in, in paying taxes or whatever legal arrangement they had to Israel. So they were under Israeli authority in a certain measure at that point. Um, okay, so while David was still alive, his son Solomon actually married an Ammonite named Naamah. Um, she was possibly the daughter of an Ammonite named Shobi, who cared for David when he took refuge when he was hiding from Absalom. So, um, it could have been a, a, an arrangement of peace, um, you know, because this this Ammonite had cared for David and his men. It could have been that David arranged this marriage as like gratitude. Uh, there are some ideas that that Solomon was actually very much in love with her, though. I, I saw some reading that he that she may have been his favorite wife. I don't know where that comes from exactly, but that was in some of the commentaries I was reading. So um, Naama was the mother of. Rehoboam, who was the king who um, succeeded, um, he, he's the king who, who succeeded um, Saul, I mean, sorry, Solomon after he died. 
Um, and he's actually, and that comes from First Kings 14.21. And he is actually in Yeshua, Yeshua's lineage. So Yeshua has Moabite heritage from Ruth. And he also has Ammonite um, heritage from um, Rehoboam, whose mother was an Ammonite. Um, okay, so after the division of the kingdom between Israel and Judah, uh, the Ammonites declared their independence from Israel. So they were no longer the vassal state. And um, then later, um, there's so much history that happened with them when when Israel was a divided kingdom. Um, but some of the main things there was they when King Ahab was the king of Israel, he formed a delegation, an alliance of 12 kings, and uh, the king of um, Ammon was part of that. And they went together and they defeated the Assyrian king, um, Shalmanazir. I don't know if I said that right. Um, so that was a, a successful battle. But then after that, um, they the Ammonites aligned against King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah at the time. Because at that point, you know, Israel was divided into Israel and Judah, and they both had different kings. Okay, so um, the, it's possible that that when they lined themselves against Jehoshaphat, it was because of his interference with uh, trade and commerce in that region. Um, and they ended up in a war. Um, this is the Second Chronicles 20 war. So they ambushed, they were ambushed by the Judeans. And then in their confusion, they ended up fighting their own allies and uh, it became a victory for Israel or for Judah at that point. Okay. So then they also had some interactions with Babylon. So they, and this gets really complicated. So I'm just going to sum up what happened with Babylon by saying they started out in a good relationship with Babylon. It turned sour. They broke away. <laughs> um, they left Babylon. It was messy. Um and then eventually they ceased to be a civilization during the Roman Empire. And that's one, one of the things that I'm finding about most of these people groups is that most of the people groups that we're looking at did cease to be an actual civilization and their own kingdoms during that time when, um, when the Middle East was primarily under Roman rule. Um, so that's when that basically happened. Okay, so one of the greatest problems with the Ammonites was their beliefs. OK, and as all of these people that we're discussing, obviously, like all of them were idol worshipers. They were all idolatrous people. But the Ammonites were just over the top um, diabolical in their worship. Um, they worshipped a pagan god named Milcom. But you're probably most familiar with him in your Bible, because this is the one that the Bible most often uses as Molech. So many of you are probably familiar with the false god Molech in scripture. Yes. Because what did he demand? Child sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And that is why they were so diabolical and vile, because they participated in child sacrifice. Okay, so let's just look and see what the Word of God says about child sacrifice. If you could go to Leviticus 18, 21. Okay, it says, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, 
and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Okay, so that, that verse makes it very clear. I want to read this, this verse again, but I want to read it in context because I, wanna, I want you to see something interesting here. Okay, so starting with verse 19, it says, You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanness. You shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife so to make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech and so to profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a man as with a woman. It is an abomination. And you shall not lie with any animal and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. Okay, so I think it's interesting that this passage or that this command that you shall not give your children to offer them to Molech is situated right in the center of a passage about sexual sin and prohibitions against sexual sin. Um, I just think that's noteworthy. So keep that in mind because we may cycle back to that if we have time. Okay. Um, now go to Leviticus 20, 1 through 5. Okay, this one also affirms the same position. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him and whoring after Molech. So the Lord is really clear here that this is not, you know, clearly like we do not participate in child sacrifice. Exactly. Not. Exactly. Okay, so I found some archaeological readings about this. Um, it's kind of interesting. They, they actually found an excavation site in Amman, Jordan uh, in 1955. It was an archaeologist named John Basil Hennessy, and he excavated a late Bronze Age building near the airport in Amman. In the center of the building, they had two circle stones, one on top of the other. And he was able to identify those two circle stones as an altar. Um, and he found several thousand small bone fragments, over 90% of them human, um, surrounding the altar. And at that point, he concluded that they were probably people, children who were 14 to 18 years old, and they had been burned. Um, so oh. there's evidence in Amman, Jordan, that this did take place. Um, <clears throat> So also in Carthage, they found some um, archaeological evidence as well that the Canaanites there, um, the Canaanites who lived in Carthage were also participating in child sacrifice and they were able to identify those bones as more infantile, like more baby, mm -hmm. baby bones. So there's archaeological evidence that these things did actually happen. Um, and I also wanted to point out that, okay, so we have, okay, we know Molech is um, the 
God of the Ammonites and he did child sacrifice. But the other one in the Bible that you know of who was with child sacrifice was Baal. Uh, you guys might say Baal, but here in Israel, right? We Baal, right? We say Baal, it right. means master. Um, so um, Baal was the God of the Canaanites who had the same demand. And then also when we talked about the Moabites, I briefly mentioned their God, uh, Chemosh. And Chemosh also was a God who demanded child sacrifice. Um, but throughout scripture, it seems that Molech is the one that's most consistent with this practice. Um, so it's pretty vile. Okay. Yes, we encourage everybody to go back and watch the entire series on the enemies of God because this would catch you up and understand even better where Callie is coming from and the references that she's making. Yeah, it's been really good. I've, I've been learning so much just going through this. It's been really amazing how um, so much of God's word is coming together in a new and different way. So I hope it is for you guys, too. Okay, so now let's go to Judges 10. I told you I wanted to go back to that story story there about um, Jephthah. Because <laughs> there's some something, there's some interesting points that happen in this story. Okay, so let's go back there real quick. So Judges chapter 10. All right. Where am I going to start? Okay, so let's start out with verse six and verses six through seven, because um, it gives us a little context about what's been going on here. All right, the people of Israel did again what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. So it's telling us here that they served the gods of these people, which means that they were probably participating in child sacrifice, right? It's just horrible. Yes. Right? And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the Ammonites. And they crushed and oppressed the people of Israel that, that year. For 18 years they oppressed all the people of Israel, who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead, Gilead, sorry. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. So basically, the they had been the nation of Israel had been participating in idol worship, and the Lord gave them over to the peoples whose gods they were serving as consequence for the sin. Um, so then if we go down to verse 10, it says, And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned. We have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, I did not save you, or sorry, did I not save you from the Egyptians, from the Amorites, and from the Ammonites, and from the Philistines, and the Sidonites also, and the Amalekites, and the Mayanites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. I like the sarcasm here. <laughs> Go and cry out to the gods who you have chosen, and let them save you in your time of distress. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. 
Do to us whatever seems good to you, only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them, and they served the Lord, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. Um, but yeah, I love that sarcasm where the Lord's like, you go call them those gods that you've been serving. Right, hey, you, you like them so much, call for the hair. Let them protect you. Leave me alone. Right. Bye. not have anything to do with me. But, you know, it says God has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that when the um, sarcasm shows up in scripture. But yeah, I mean, it says they cried out. And I talked before about that word in, in Hebrew, because that's one that I've been using a lot in my biblical Hebrew course that I'm taking right now. It's za'ak, and it's like a, a corporate cry out. It's like a proclamation even, not just like a help us, but help us because you are great and we know you can. You know, it's like exactly. a proclamation that they're doing as an assembly. So they had gotten to the point where as an assembly, they were crying out to the Lord, come save us. And and that's an act of humility, you know, to say, yes, you, you know, they had humbled themselves before the Lord. So so he came and so they um, they found this man, Jephthah. OK, so Jephthah's kind of interesting. OK, so um, I'm just going to sum up who he was, but you can find it in chapter 11. Um, he was a mighty warrior, the Bible tells us, and he was the son of a prostitute. And um, a man named Gilead, which is like after the city. Some commentaries I saw said that it could have, the fact that they used the name Gilead there could have meant that his mother didn't actually know who his father was and it could have been anyone in the city. <laughs> but if you read the text, it specifically points out that he has a father and that his wife ended up having other children. And because of that, he was disinherited. And when he was disinherited, he fled and he went to the land of Tob um, and he stayed there for a while. Um, and when the Ammonites made war against Israel, um, the elders of Gilead went, went and found Jephthah because they knew that he was a great warrior. And they brought him and said, come be our leaders that we may fight against the Ammonites. Um, so that's how he got brought into um, his position. So he goes through, and I wanted to point this story out because it's one that I remember, like, I've always read it and been like, what is that what wild story in the Bible? <laughs> There's some wild stories in the Bible, but this is one, okay? So um, go down to verse 34. Actually, let's start with verse 30. Let me turn the page. Okay, so in verse 30, it says, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Okay, so he makes this vow to the Lord that give us the Ammonites, and when you do, the first thing that comes through my door, I'm going to, offered to you in a burnt offering. I'm going to sacrifice it to you in a burnt offering. Okay, so what happens? Verse 34. Then Jephthah came to his home at Mitzpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. So what's the first thing that went through his door? His the daughter. daughter. Yeah. 
So let's just read the rest of the story and see what happens. As soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take back my vow. And she said to him, My father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord. Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies, on the Ammonites. So she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Leave me alone for two months that I may go up and down the mountains and weep for my virginity. I and my companions. So he said, go. Then he sent her away for two months and she departed, she and her companions. And they wept for her virginity on the mountains. And at the end of the two months, she returned to her father, who did with her according to his vow that he had made. She never, she had never known a man, and it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went year by year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gilead, Gileadite, for four days in the year. So, wow, it says that he did to her according to the vow that he made, which implies that he offered her up. Offer is a burnt sacrifice. The Lord did not have, and you know, what's interesting is the Lord did not have a ram in the bush for, for her. Right. So there's a lot of questions and about this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, the Lord had a ram bush for, you know, the obedience. But it's wonderful that the Lord is consistent with his word. It's, you know, you hate that she was sacrificed. Hmm. But it's amazing the young lady knew the Lord and trusted God. Because if you send me away from, okay, if you tell me before, I'm going to have to sacrifice you on the altar and burn you up. You understand? And I say, well, I tell you, give me two months and I'll be back. Most people are not coming back. No, they're, they're not, not coming back. You know, no. so would you come back? No. <laughs> and so this just tells of the level of faith that they had even her with in in God because even though we know that God would have struck her down anyway probably but I don't know whether I would have came back to be a, a burnt sacrifice yeah well I actually have a little bit of a different take on this um, okay well I was looking at it I was thinking you know what I don't know if you maybe you all followed the teaching that we did about um Yom Kippur and just how detailed it was, the way that the Lord prescribed what sacrifices were to be offered during that time. The Lord does not, he, he doesn't receive on the altar of the temple. In no case does he receive a human sacrifice. Exactly. Okay. There's no, there's no case in scripture where the Lord receives a human sacrifice. So my take on this actually, after studying the Ammonites and what they you know, their worship practices and what they did and the way that their influence came down to Israel. Because, you know, back at the beginning of this chapter um, or beginning of chapter 10, um, it's talking about here how they, they, um, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they served their gods. Um, you know, they had come under the stronghold of idolatry and idol worship. And I think actually if Jephthah knew the word of the Lord, 
he would have known that he couldn't just offer anything as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord doesn't right. just anything as a burnt sacrifice. The Lord. I agree it. with that. Yeah, I agree with that. But I'm saying from her perspective, there is no way. Yeah. If you let me go for two months, if you tell me before I leave, uh, sweetie, we're going to put you on the altar and burn you up as a sacrifice to God. No, I, and I say, Daddy, can I go two months and do my, you know, my, you know, born my virginity because I've never been with a man because, you know, he says, sure, baby, go ahead. Um, I'm not coming back after two months. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I am not. No, God does not accept human sacrifices on the altar. But yeah. as far as her perspective, I there's no way I would have came back. No way. No, no, definitely. You no. Know. Yeah, but I was just thinking that and, maybe what happened here though was that he, they, the people of Israel didn't know God's word anymore. They didn't know what God received as a sacrifice anymore. Um, but there's no way that the priest in the temple would have received her on the altar. So he must have sacrificed her somewhere else. Um, well, that could be also. I don't care where the sacrifice is. You're going to tell me I'm going to be burnt up. I'm not coming back. No, not but back. also, the thing of it is, is that he he made a vow to God. And he knew, I, and I, even though he might have not known that God doesn't, take burnt sacrifices he remembered that when you make a vow to god you better keep it and i think that god um allowed her to be the first thing out of the door to see whether or not he's going to keep that vow because that's the vow that he made and um how serious huh like how serious were you about this exactly you, you know are you are you really going to Keep the vow that you made. You said the first thing. This is the first thing. I handed I handed the Amorites in your hand. Now here's the first thing that came out of the door. And that's your child. The thing that you love the most. Mm -hmm. Your child. And so I, again, like I stated, uh, I, I don't know whether I applaud the girl <laughs> or, or what, but baby, I, don't, I, I really don't know. I, I, I would have returned. You know, no, I wouldn't have returned. But for anyone that really does struggle with this, though, I just want to say that they there's no way that the Levite priests would have received a human sacrifice in the temple of God that would have desecrated the temple. So whatever happened with her, it wasn't it wasn't a Levitical right. Basically. No, it wasn't. And yeah. there's no mention of where he sacrificed her at. And there's no mention yeah. of Levitical priests even being involved in this because yeah. the priest would definitely not put a human sacrifice on the altar to God. Yeah. So there's still some mystery as to what actually happened, happened in this. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. But it, I just want to assure anyone who struggled with it, that it didn't happen in the temple. There's no way no. that that would have happened. So no it's way. a little bit of a wild story. Um, but I even, my thinking on it was just more that, they had been under the stronghold of this, these people who participated in child sacrifice. And so there is possibility that he didn't know the word of the Lord. And um, he made a, a vow that was kind of, you know, the story about the strange fires that were, that were offered up. Um, he made kind of a strange fire vow 
um, because he didn't know the word of the Lord. So well, he didn't know what was going to be the first thing out of the door, first no, and foremost. And yeah. and as far as, and God could be referencing this particular situation amongst others as strange fires because this was a strange fire that was sent up yeah. to the Lord. Yeah, but he commanded. Yes, he he sent the daughter out the door. He knew that this would be the person. This would be the burnt sacrifice. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a very odd story, though. Yes. Details there. Um, yes, but like Callie said, everybody rest assured that this um, burnt offering sacrifice of this young lady was not made on the altar to God. No, it would not have been, not to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It would have happened somewhere else. And yes. that was that I wanted to really make for anyone who's read that and been like, what is this weird thing? <laughs> mm -hmm. really to offer that assurance that this was not, you know, the Lord, he, he had certain things he received as a burnt offering, you know, pigeons. And, and a human was not it. No, that was not, not it. his creation. No, right. not in his own likeness. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, um, then let's now look at Solomon. So if you could go to first Kings 11. <clears throat> And put them there too. Okay. Okay. So I said that when we were going through the overview history, I wanted to come back to Solomon's story because there's a lot here that that shapes up how Israel looks today, and how it looked in ancient times, and even how it looks today. So I wanted to go back and look at that in a little bit more detail. So we're gonna start out with reading First Kings eleven one through eight. All right. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall, you, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, who were princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart for when solomon was old his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not wholly true to the lord his god as the heart of, of david his father for solomon went after ashtoreth the goddess of the sidonians and after milcom who is um Malek. um after milcom the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites on the mountains east of Jerusalem. And he did so, and so he did for all his foreign wives who made offering and sacrifice to their gods. So, he made, um, an, he made an altar to Molech for his Ammonite wife, who's Naamah, the mother of Rehoboam. Um, and this happened in the valley of um, Ben-Hinnom. Um, the Ben-Hinnom Valley is in Jerusalem. It is just below Mount Zion. 
Um, and I have a little story about that. One time we were walking, we had, we had family. I can't remember. I actually can't remember even who it was that was visiting with us, but we had family visiting. And so we had been sightseeing in the old city and we came out one of the gates and we were walking along the sidewalk, um, below Mount Zion. And, um, just suddenly I started having all these irrational, fearful thoughts. I was like, someone's going to get hit by a car. We're going to fall off the sidewalk and die. Like just my mind was just gripped and plagued with like nonstop <laughs> irrationality. Mm. Just fear. That fear spirit is over there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, when I realized, I, I realized where we were. I was like, this is the Ben Hinnom Valley that we're walking through. And this is where they did Molech worship. And I realized that that spirit, there was a territorial spirit still present there because um, nowhere else in the old city and nowhere else surrounding the old city had I had these thoughts. But as soon as we started walking that area, it was just like my brain was just bombarded with um, just total irrational, irrational fears. Like we weren't going to get hit by a car. We weren't going to fall off the sidewalk. But that's the valley where where they had participated in child sacrifice. Um, and Yeshua refers to this valley as Gehenna in the New Testament. So when you see Gehenna, it's the same place, the Ben Hinnom Valley. Um, and some of the reading that I did on this, they said that the the altar that they had there, and I'm not sure exactly how they where this information came from. Um, I mean, it was a credible archaeological source, but I don't. I've never seen excavations of this in that area. But um, the altar was a bronze um, idol that was hollowed out and it was the head of a goat who had his arms out and they would put fire inside of the bronze idol and um, it would become, it, it would become inflamed and very hot. And then they would lay the children on his hands oh. to be burned alive. And that's the practice that they participated in. And so King Solomon, who was regarded as one of the wisest Kings ever, um, he had a blind spot. The wisest. That's what Bert says. He is the wisest. Yeah, the wisest. Yeah, the wisest king. He had a major blind spot. He became unequally yoked with foreign with women, foreign women that he married who worshipped idols, and he built these altars for these wives. And one of them high places. Was, yeah, and one of them was for Moloch worship. Um, and. So as far as Solomon is concerned, he knew he knew God. He knew better, and just in 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 the natural, there's no way in the world he could service all those wives. I'm sorry, it is what it is. There's no way he could service all those wives, and um, but you know there was no Viagra. <laughs> yeah, they might have had some natural potion, but uh, no, he couldn't service all those wives. No. And he knew that these were enemies of God, and he married these women anyway. He brought them in and created high places for them. And that's why spiritual warfare is important. When you were telling that story, that's the first thing I thought about yeah. is spiritual warfare and knowing where you are, your surroundings, and why you you know things happen. Sometimes it's it's not you. It's what happened in that place. What occurred in that place what spirit is dominating that place even the cities that you live people live you need to know what um spirit is over that area because there is a spirit that dominates every area so when you're looking to move or go somewhere 
understand what is the dominant spirit in that area. Yeah, exactly. And that one just caught me off guard. I know now anytime I'm in that area, I go more prepared, but yes, I'd experienced that there, but it was really interesting. Just the change in my thought pattern that happened as we crossed into that, into that place. I mean, what happened? Can you imagine the people that live there? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, goodness. It must have been mm. really rough. It's a, I mean, today it's a nice valley. It's cleaned up and they use it for concerts. Just because it's nice has nothing to do with the spirit that resides yeah. over it. Yeah. The people that, it can make, and that's, that's, that's the way the enemy does. He'll make it look beautiful and gorgeous outside to attract you in. And then once you get in, you're like, oh my gosh, what, am, what is this? You know? Yeah. So for those, now does, do they have residential areas? In that in that, in that valley, region, there's no one that actually lives in that valley. It's um good set up now for concerts, and then at the other side of the valley, there's a really great hotel called the Mount Zion Hotel um, that overlooks Mount Zion. It's a really fantastic hotel. Um, there's a, a little bit of a shopping district in that area. Um, yeah, I mean it's a nice area now for tourists to go. Well, of course it's going to be nice. I just. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened? You know, it's just on a beautiful display for you to attract you in. You come yeah. in and imagine people that go in that area that's not spiritually aware and know. And you know, they might. You, God knows what they're bringing out with them once they come in. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So now let's go to Jeremiah thirty-two, thirty-five. I'm going to show you a few places where the Lord really condemns this as well. Um, 30, Jeremiah 32, 35, Jeremiah is condemning it. The Lord is through Jeremiah. He's saying, they built the high places of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom um, to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech. Though I did not command them, nor did it enter my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. So the Lord's saying, this was outside of my will. I didn't command it. And he's making that really clear. And then um, go to Psalm 106. Instead, I did not mark Psalm 106 with my tab. <laughs> I didn't, but here it is. Okay, Psalm 106. This comes up again in verse 34 through 39. It says, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons, and they poured out innocent blood the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood and they became, became unclean by their acts and they played the horror in their deeds. So here the Lord's even calling straight up that these idols are demons. He's saying that they, that they sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons and poured out innocent blood. It's, I mean, it's shameful and horrific that this happened. Yeah, we're going to definitely get into this part right here again, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, the Lord issued a, a pretty strong consequence to Solomon about what happened. Um, so if you go back to Kings, 1 Kings 11, this is the consequence here that, that he, the Lord provided. It starts in verse um, 11. So we'll read 11 through... 13 it says the lord says therefore the lord said to solomon this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that i have commanded you i will surely tear the kingdom from you 
and will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of your da- for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all of the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. And then it again re- reiterates this in um, verses 31 and 33, but we don't have to read that. It just says basically a similar thing. Um, so this is why uh, Israel divided into Israel and Judea because Solomon allowed child sacrifice because he worshiped the idols of his foreign wives and he participated in their demonic sacrifices. Because of that, the consequence was that the nation of Israel divided. Yes. That is why we had Judea and Israel. And um, it still hasn't, there's prophecies that it will reconcile, but it still hasn't reconciled to, to this day, um, which is really profound to think about. So um, I have a few more notes about this. Um, okay, so um, David had one part of the reason that he issued this through Solomon's son was for the sake of David. It said David had worked really hard to unite the 12 tribes. That was part of his mission as king. And um, so then this happened under Rehoboam's reign um, when the kingdom divided. And in the practical sense, the reason it divided is because the nation or the tribes in the north went to Rehoboam and um, complained about the taxes being too high. So rather than Rehoboam saying, okay, I put too much of a burden on them, let's relieve the burden, he hiked up the taxes. And when he elevated the taxes, that's what instigated the split. But ultimately, it wasn't because of the taxes, it was because of Solomon's sin of um, idolatry and specifically child sacrifice. So um, Rehoboam ended up the king of Judah and Jeroboam, who was the servant of Saul, ended up becoming the king of Israel. And that, you know, the word in that passage that we just read said that I'm going to give the kingdom to your servant. So his servant Jeroboam ended up the king of Israel. Um, So, of course, we're still working on this to this very day. Uh, There was a brief period during the Hashmonean time frame where Israel was semi-reunited, but it's never been a united kingdom in the sense that it was um, pre-Rehoboam, like when Solomon and David and Saul were um, the kings of Israel. Yes, Israel and Judah needs to definitely unite again. Yeah, so I want to look at this prophecy, though, about it coming back together. You go to Ezekiel 37. This is the Valley of Dry Dead Bones passage. Um, But we're just going to look at a few verses. Verse 16 through 19. Here it says, Son of man, take a stick and write on it. For Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it. For Joseph and the house of Israel associated with him. And join them one to another in one stick. That they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us what you mean by these? 
say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph that is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join join it with the stick of Judah and make them one stick. They may be one in my hand. And when the sticks on which you write are in your hand before their eyes, then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone and will gather them from all around and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountain of Israel and one king shall be king over them. And they shall no longer be two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. So that is a prophecy there that the nation will come back together and will be one kingdom. But that has still not happened. Even to this day, we are still contending for Judea. Um, so we have Israel proper. But when you hear about the West Bank in the media, um, the West Bank is Judea and Samaria. That is the territory of Israel that has yet to come fully annexed into Israel proper. Um, so to this day, we are still contending with this. We are still not... Um, seeing, we have still not seen this prophecy fully fulfilled. And exactly. Well, Israel has to return because the word says here that he's going to call them back from the nations Nation, right. in which they have been distributed. And, you know, people can believe what they want. I know who Israel is, and um, but they're around this globe. Yes. They're around the world. God has distributed them, but we have to come together. We as Israel's got to come together and return and you unite with Judah. Yeah. And this is Aliyah. This is like Aliyah is the Hebrew that we use for the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And this is why so the, return of, yeah, the return of Judah, I mean, Judah's there, the return of Israel to the Israel land, because he says the return of Israel. Yes. Um, but go ahead. So if yes. so, so this he is said, he said, go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that when we pray for Aliyah, when we support Aliyah, we're supporting the, the nations, the, the Jewish people coming out of the nations, coming out of the Gentile nations and coming back into the land of Israel. Um, and also, um, when, we talk about a two-state solution, what we're doing is we're further dividing. We're coming against this prophecy because the prophecy is that the, the um, because they want to take what is called the West Bank, which is Judea. They want to take that and give it to the Palestinians for a second. Well, yeah, for the two-state solution for the Palestinian state. But that comes against this prophecy where the Lord is saying that he wants to unite the, the tribes, um, the two kingdoms of Judah and, um, and Israel. Israel. Yeah. Right. Because Judah pretty much is in place. Judah is already in place. It's Israel that needs to return. Um, well, sort of. I mean, Israel, they, they, I'm not sure historically why they decided to call, call Israel Israel rather than Judah. Um, but because they're two different, they're two different. It's two different things. I mean, Israel. Yes, Judah is a part of Israel, but Israel is not just. There's not just Judah and Jews. There is Israel. 
So there is a distinction because God said he has distributed them amongst around the earth. So, and we see even some, let's just even look at races and cultures that the Jewish people have always supported. Um, God has made that as a, um, I'll say a symbol and a sign for us to see that there is the coming back. There's been that openness from the from Judah, the Jewish people, to invite and to have those people that God has are referring to as Israel in those in that in this segment here to return to the land. And I believe that once that does happen, like the word stated, then we will see the manifestation of all of the land being occupied. Yeah, I hope so. I've been praying for boundaries to expand. <laughs> That's been my prayer lately. But yeah, I mean, we need to because, pray because it's right now, though, it's the land of Judea that's not considered Israel proper. Um, the land right. that's considered Israel proper is is considered Israel. It's the Judea isn't considered Israel proper. It's considered the West Bank. And so we need to be praying that that does get fully annexed into Israel um, as part of Israel's boundaries and borders. Um, and one I, thing, I, when one of the things that you talked about in one of the previous mm -hmm. um, segments was the land that has not been occupied yet. Right. And um, as far as it's a part, but there is no occupation there. There's no construction there. It is yeah, it's open. Yeah, it's, it's desert. But mm -hmm. and it, and I believe I believe you know this is me. Not, I'm not here. Not <laughs> not here. I believe that once the reuniting of Israel and Judah, then that will be fertile land because yeah. God doesn't give people out desert. Right. And it and it shall be so. Yeah. Ahead. So. Yeah. But what's really amazing to me about this whole story, though, is that 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 division came over this issue of child sacrifice. I mean, that just it was really sobering for me as I was studying this just to see the depth of that sin um, of pouring out innocent blood on the land and what what that did and how that opened things up for this division to happen. And in the previous lesson on the Gebelites, we learned that the reason um, Israel hasn't occupied the entire, they haven't taken possession of the entire land that God has promised them is because they kept entering into disobedience. Every time there was a new judge, they would, they would come into obedience and then they would enter into disobedience and they would serve the idols. And the Lord said that I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you an anointing basically to um, destroy the people. I'm not going to give you the anointing to push them all out. So, so we have, two instances here, two weeks in a row, where we're seeing that involvement with the um, involvement with these, these idolatrous people brought consequences on the nation of Israel for their land territories and for the way that their kingdom ran. Um, exactly. Yeah. And the shedding of innocent blood is an abomination to God. We yeah. talked about this in uh, exposing the devil uh, part two, and this is, you know, you need to go watch part, we did part three last night, 
but you need to watch part one and part three also. But part two of that, we discussed the shedding of innocent blood and, and what it does. And one thing that we see, if, if you look into, let's state abortion and the shedding of innocent blood, where are the majority of abortion centers at? Why is there, and what countries are abortion like glorified? You know, people get mad if you don't want to endorse abortion. You know, this is a woman's rights or whatever. Look at those countries, look at those nations and see um, what, why they're endorsing this. Also, you will also probably begin to see a parallel to the Amorites and the nations that endorse, glorify the shedding of innocent blood. Yeah, unquestionably. I mean, even just the rampant sexual sin and, and openness to all variety of sexual sin, um, you know, that's going to bring about crisis pregnancies and that's going to open up doors for um, child sacrifice, you know. And, exactly. And that's where I was pointing out that that verse was contextualized right in the center of a passage about sexual sin in Leviticus, where it was talking about how um, you know, this was an abomination and everything like where the Lord was saying not to offer your children as a sacrifice to Molech. Um, it was right there in the center of a passage about sexual sin. Um, so it goes hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I'm glad that you pointed that out because it's all together. And so when you study the scriptures, as you well know, God is not going to put this over here and then this over here and say, boom, this goes together. No, he's going to bring it together. Now, he will. There, there, might be, there will be a reference somewhere else because he's going to confirm his word. But when God put things together, um, he, he is showing you all of this goes together and there's no differentiating different between the two. Because the sexual sins and the shedding of innocent blood, it all goes together. Yeah. And there's severe consequence for it. And I just think there's probably so much consequence that we're bearing right now for the sin of abortion that we're not even aware of. You know, there's probably. Yes. Because I would have until I started doing the study, I, I didn't I wasn't aware that the reason that that was ultimately the reason why the Lord divided the kingdom. Um, I didn't know it came down to um, Solomon's participation in this. Um, and if you, if you go, I, I apologize. I didn't mean, I, I, this just came in my head. I have to breathe. Yeah. Uh, if you go back to Cain and Abel mm -hmm. and the, and, and even that far back where the shedding of innocent blood, the God, God has been clear about the shedding of innocent blood, that the blood cries out from the earth. It cries out from the earth and all of these abortions, child sacrifices, uh, murder, um, all of this, all that innocent blood is crying out from the earth up into right. God. And, and Cain and Abel, hey, they're the sons of Adam and Eve. So here we go. 
if from the beginning mm -hmm. God has never endorsed the shedding of innocent blood and he has been very specific about it but go ahead Cal I didn't mean to cut you off yeah no I mean I, I, I don't I, there's not much more I could say besides what you just said <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like the he's never endorsed it. it is a sin that he despises and hates and um I just think that the consequences of this have been probably far farther reaching than we even know. Exactly. Because there's, uh, it, which I haven't double checked that there might be, I'm not want to say this is the only thing, but it is a constant reference throughout the word of God that, that the only time that I know of, that the only time that the earth cries out, the earth cries out is the shedding of innocent blood. Am I, do you know of any other instance that I might have missed? Yeah, I haven't seen any. That's the only time I've seen it. Um, right. In Romans, Romans uh, 1 where it talks about the earth moaning, um, groaning for redemption. Um, right. But redemption for what? For redemption for the blood that has been shed, innocent yeah. blood. I don't, you know, I don't know. And like I stated, if anybody knows of any other circumstances in which God is stating that the earth cries out other than the shedding of innocent blood, please let us know because, you know, but the only, you know, I, I that's the one thing that I uh, know. And I know, um, with what you all are going through there now as far as endorsing things on children the shots and if those that allow this if any child perishes due to that that's the shedding of innocent blood yeah now you can, people can look at it any way they want to, but that is the shedding of innocent blood. Yeah. But go ahead, Callie. I didn't mean to cut you off, sweetie. No, that's it. I finished the teaching. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it just left me when I when I when I said that. It just really left me feeling very sober, sober-minded. Just thinking about the fact that we can see. How Solomon's sin has implicated situations even today um, that we're still walking out the consequence of Solomon um, building a temple to Molech in the Ben Hinnom Valley. Um, that we are still walking out the consequences of that to this day. Um, Lord, help us um, that we would turn from the sin and. We need to be praying that the nation of Israel repents. <laughs> um, yes. Repents of child sacrifice, ancient and even in present. Now, do you, do you see that with this statue there, that there is, um, I know you, you say you don't know all the consequences, but do you have any concept or revelation that, of what type of effects that might have had have for um, Israel, the, the nation of Israel, um, when it was here, when it was there, or no, it's still there. But I'm just saying, oh, um, yeah. by 
it's not, it's not there. You can't go in that valley and find, I mean, I've never, you know, like there's not, I haven't seen archeological evidence of that in the valley. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm referring to the spirit because we talked yeah. about these, yeah. the statue that, you know, but anyway, the spirit that's yeah. over that area. I don't know. I mean, you know, you walk through there and it is, like I said, it's a place that they use for concerts now. I know there've been a lot of different ministries who've gone there um, and prayed over it and, you know, tried to take authority over the spirit that's there. Um, and I've heard some stories of like some testimonies where they had reason to believe it was successful. Um, but then of course I had my own personal subjective experience in that area. Um, there's not really anything built in that valley. It's just set up for the concerts and it's kind of like a park. Um, but, you know, I think, I think in general, a lot of people know what historically happened. I don't know how connected they feel to it. Um, but I think a lot of people do know historically that that was a place of idol worship. And um, that might be why there's not much that goes on. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know that there's any like real daily impact, you know, where that people are super aware. I think they're aware, but I don't think it's something that people really think about. Right. You know, cause they have a different view of abortion here anyway. It's um, much more, much more lenient, which we should do a whole show on at some point. Yeah. But, um, very Just different. like I stated, when I stated earlier, when I was talking, you look at the nations, including the United States that endorses, mm -hmm. uh, glorifies and have no issues with abortion, then you need, it, 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 there's, a, there's it's probably a connection to the Amorites and your, the, the, Israel's connection was through Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. And it has carried down through the generations, the shedding of that innocent blood. Mm -hmm. And people so, turning a blind eye to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Well, Callie, I tell you, this has been absolutely marvelous today. You, as always, do a wonderful job with the teachings and study. I come in with the prophet just drew, <laughs> drop the other. <laughs> so sometimes I'll be in the background. I know people say, why she go? No, I didn't have technical issues today. I just went in the background and let Callie um, take it, take it because she had all the scriptures and I'll put them up there. So, but everybody, you know, we want to make sure that you like, subscribe and share, turn on your notifications. And so other people can get this word out. Uh, make sure you come over to to look at the whole series of the enemies of God. Go to um, come over to the YouTube page. In the series are there. Um, Save News TV. I mean YouTube. But also you can. We encourage you to come over to our. Roku and Amazon Fire Network because all of this will be up there. If some of these social media platforms decide they want to take stuff down, then so be it. But these teachings will always be on Save News TV on Roku and Save News TV on Amazon Fire TV. We have um, so many other 
things that's on Save News TV other than these teachings. We have other ministries up there that we do not put on our social media channel. We encourage you to watch that. So you can also listen to Save News Radio. Oh, Lord, I enjoy it. I, you know, we have people from all around the world listening and, you know, watching TV, our broadcast on Roku and Amazon Fire. We have many, many, many more people than on these social media platforms because these social media platforms be shadow banning. But, oh, you know, we got to say hey to the replay crew because the replay crew, they be strong. They be strong. But, um, Callie, it has been just wonderful um, what you have taught today. So who are we going to cover next week? Well, we got to look at our schedule because this is a... Um, Next week. Yeah, so next what, week we have what? a special show. <laughs> We're still working. Yes, no, the week after that might be the special show. Oh, the week after that. The 27th. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, so the next people when we, uh, the next people group we'll do will be Amalek. So we'll do Amalek next. Okay. But uh, anyway, Callie. God bless you. You too. We want to, yes, 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 yes. We want to say Shabbat Shalom yes, to Shabbat everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to Save News TV. We love you all. Like, share, and subscribe. And we're going to see you all next week. And again, we are praying for all of you and thank you for your prayers for us also because, you know, it's funny, Callie, we, you know, we have been praying for people and, um, you know, have our prayer list and everything, but they're also praying for us. And we've re I've received a couple of notes where people saying, we're praying for you. I'm praying for oh, you man. all. I'm praying for you all. And we thank you all for praying for us because we need it. It takes a lot to... Um, bring these shows and you know you take like Callie when Callie does a show there's a lot of research involved there's a lot of time involved and we definitely need your prayers we definitely do thank you so much and um anyway everyone pray for my Hebrew too because I'm taking you know I'm taking biblical Hebrew so we pray for my yes Yes, pray for. <laughs> we're gonna pray for Callie's Hebrew so she can um, be totally bilingual. Culture and bilingual and read the Word of God in Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Yeah, maybe when after you finish your class, you can do a you can do a show just in Hebrew. <laughs> I won't be here because I won't be able to understand it. But we'll have a show just in Hebrew for those that speak Hebrew and um and and, and let them enjoy. It doesn't have to be long, it could be like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, two minutes of Hebrew. <laughs> I'm getting better. I've studied both modern and biblical Hebrew. I'm getting a lot better, but I just feel really like self conscious about speaking it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So you want to do one minute. Is that what you do? You want to, you want to do a short. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Bye. Bye.
Getting bored? Want to enjoy some relaxing music? Do you need to get updated with all the latest news but don't have enough time to watch TV for hours? Or do you need to get your praise and worship on? We have your solution to your problem. SaveNewsRadio.com got everything you need. Listen to SaveNewsRadio.com filled with praise and worship 24-7 everywhere in your home, laptop, or tablet, on your phone, in your car, and on Alexa. Install the Save News Radio skill on Alexa and then just say, Alexa, launch Save News Radio. The beautiful, uplifting sounds of praise and worship music, ministries, news, and more. SaveNewsRadio.com, created to glorify God and edify the body of Christ.